Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Come on, Chris. Chris Woodward, nice utility player with the Mets there for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80. On your smart speakers. Good morning, Key. Good morning, Jay. What's happening? What's happening? What's good? Man, Chris sounded a little sour, huh? A little salty. First of all, Yankee Stadium does have a short right field push. Pretty short down the left field line, too. Um, yeah, they got a deep center, though. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's right. Death Valley. Yeah, they, got, they have deep dimensions of the park, too. But if you can pull it down the line. But both teams can do that. And by the way, let, let, hold on. Listen to Chris Woodward. Here's the Rangers manager after, you know, was talking about the Glaber Torres home run after the game. Small ballpark, that's a easy out <laughs> um, in 99% of ballparks. So, um, you know, the wind was, wasn't helping today, obviously, but, you know, just 3-1 count. Probably going to, you know, King is one guy that you put him back out there, you know, okay, he's not going to give up a homer. Uh, just happened to hit it in a little league ballpark, you know, to right field. See, he calls it, that, that's a real dig to call it a little league ballpark. <laughs> Especially when the Rangers are one of these teams. You know what's really like it's, it's clown city to me? When, <laughs> I love it. You know, like Fenway Park. The thing about baseball, Jay Keel knows this, but like just to put you up on because you're more new to baseball, a lot of old parks were built in cities. They had zoning restrictions and stuff, so they have like funky outfields where the wall cuts in more than it should, like Fenway, right? Mm-hmm. A green monster. And, and, yeah, the green monster. Yeah, and lots of old-timey ballparks were like that. So then all these new money teams like the Rangers are like, oh, we get it. You don't want a big kind of stadium that's very kind of um, antiseptic. You want something with character. So they started, even though there were no zoning restrictions or anything, just building weird stadiums where the the fence would go this way and that way because they didn't understand even why it's there. That's the Rangers. That's the Rangers franchise. New money, don't know what they're doing with the ballpark. Hilarious that they think that's a real ballpark. Going at the Yankees about Yankee Stadium? Like, Here's the first thing. Key, according to StatCast, it's a 369-foot shot, and it was a walk-off in the bottom of the ninth, right, that Torres hit. So, of course, the Rangers manager salty. It went 106.5 miles an hour. Key, it would have been a home run in 26 of 30 of the 30 major league ballparks. What's yeah, he talking and it was about? Still, if it was in Colorado, it would still be traveling. Because <laughs> yeah. Colorado is such a small ballpark. Much like you said, that's a new park. That park was built, what, 30 years ago, 25, yeah. 30 years ago. So it's still Damn, a new park, which is a smaller outfield. So home runner's dream. Pitchers hate it, clearly. But I, I don't know. Maybe it's just some beef with the – maybe there's beef with the Yankees that he feels like he needed to make those particular comments and say what he said. Maybe that's what it is, Max, to get the Yankee fans like yourself yeah. fired up. Oh, he See, I, I think what he said was stupid, but I love it. Like, yeah. I, it, it, it's like trash talking like we have in the NBA playoffs. Like, I love when people feel a certain way – or they want to slight you, and the fact that they say this, it only increases more attention around the sport and more attention around next time the Yanks play the Rangers. You're right about that. It's just what what rankles me as a Yankees fan, and I'm sure a, a lot of Yankees fans are feeling this way. Who is the Rangers manager to call Yankee Stadium a little league ball? See, when he calls it little, little league, league, he's not just oh. saying the dimensions are small. Yeah, he's, he's very dismissive of some historical yes. stadium, even though it's, a it's a, one, somewhat yeah. of a replica of yeah. the old one. Yeah. You know, it's, it's kind of being dismissive of the history that the Yankees have had in the things that they've done in Major League Baseball. That's what he's basically doing. Yeah, Babe Ruth and Mickey Mantle and Reggie Jackson, a whole bunch of dudes hit a lot of 
home runs in a little league park, I guess. Meantime, the Rangers, new money, clown stadium, 11-15 and 15 right now. And, and Chris Woodward got, got calling the Yankees. Calling Yankee Stadium a little league ballpark. Guys, guys the biggest issue here, uh, listen to Aaron Boone. This is my biggest issue. Is math wrong? 99% is impossible. There's only 30 parks. Right. So if it's 29 out of 30, it's it'd be 96%. 96%. Yeah, no, like, no. you're being corrected on math by a guy who went to USC. We learned on this show that shouldn't happen. You should not be corrected oh. with your math oh. by the guy who went to USC. The whole not on this setup show. just to take a shot at Key. The whole setup just to take hey, a shot at Key. All I would say is if. Evan could get into USC, he would have ran down the turnpike and figured out how to get to L.A. <laughs> if I had Ranger money, I might have gotten into USC. Oh, I can't with you guys. He knows the math, Evan. All he had to do was count to one, right? Am I right or wrong? Just count You're to wrong. one. You're wrong. One. No, that's a compliment. You went first in the draft. Oh, for crying out loud. All right, That's my, me having your back. Yes. Here's Evan. my other issue with Eli with uh, Chris Woodward. In game two of the doubleheader, Eli yeah. White hit a home run. <laughs> Michael K said on the broadcast, guess Woodward would have liked that one. White's home run would have been out of only two MLB parks out of the 30. Yeah, he didn't have a problem with that one, though, nope. right? That one was good. That one counted. Uh, this this sort of like Yankee Stadium's a small ballpark key is ridiculous. Like no, it's not. Like That's the what I Dodgers said. like the Dodgers play in uh, altitude like nine times a year in Colorado. Like in you want to complain about that? Complain about a stadium like that? Yeah, that's what I said earlier. If you if you want to talk about a small ballpark. Uh, and I wouldn't even call Colorado a little league ballpark because it makes no sense. But the altitude, yeah, the, the outfield. I mean, I would be hitting home runs in Colorado. No question about it. Where in L.A., because of the humidity in the air, I know it's so weird, Jay, the humidity in the air uh, slows the ball down mm-hmm. when it's traveling off the bat. So you got different different parks, different environments. So you therefore you get different circumstances when the ball comes off the bat. And different different emphases on different parts of the game. Like like uh, St. Louis has, has usually had teams – predicated on speed in the outfield. They have a big outfield, right? If you play on turf, it plays quick. You want a, a defensive guy at shortstop. Yankee Stadium, short right field porch, you want lefty power. Nowadays, righty power because they could take it the other way. But, like, ba- one of the things that makes baseball interesting is or you even can- Or even, Max, when the, when, before they had the conversions, when San Francisco, uh-huh. what was it, San Francisco, uh, Miami, mm-hmm. what was the other teams that went from football to baseball? Uh, uh, field. Oakland. Oakland, yep. all of their outfields was kind of funky, too, because mm-hmm. of the way it had to align. Oh, matter of fact, Oakland back in the day had so much foul territory that they always wanted to put – they had like a Dwayne Murphy in center and Ricky Henderson in left. You wanted the fastest outfield because you could catch up, make a lot of outs from pop flies in foul territory that in other parks would be in the stands. The point is, Jay, one of the great things about baseball – is, you know, football and basketball, you can try to take advantage of home court in different ways. Basketball, if you're playing at altitude, for example, get a deep team, right? A Denver team. Make sure you're 10 deep so you can – this is what Ujiri did when he was in mm-hmm. – Ujiri when he was in Denver. We're going to have a second unit. It's like my first year. Just run guys out of the building. In football, cold weather, whatever. 
But in baseball, the actual dimensions of the playing field changes, and part of what's fun is tailoring your team your to the dimensions of your park. The strategy to it. Yeah. I, I want to bring it back to Chris Woodward for one second. It's the same guy, the manager, that's always been somewhat begroaned about the unwritten rules of baseball. Wasn't it a couple of years ago, I think it was versus the Padres, like they were getting beat down, and Fernando Tatis was up 3-0. Uh, it was 3-0, and he swung for it and hit a home run. Yeah, and, that's him. Like, it's the same one, right? So it seems like there's a history of things that are following Woodward. Just this guy that just can't get out of his own way. You can't swing through. You can't swing three zero because that, why? why? But he I hit can't. a home run. Don't don't pitch to me yet. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. I play the game this way, so everyone else should. Yeah, but if I play the game another way, sometimes it tricks you. Don't trick me. By the way, I didn't even like it when people were criticizing a Rod. You know, back ten years ago, a Rod hits a pop fly, and as he's um, uh, rounding third base, he goes, I got it, because he tried to trick, I forgot exactly the circumstance, but basically tried to trick the infielder mm-hmm. into thinking that someone else, else yeah. call, call, and everyone got mad at A-Rod. I'm like, for what? That's he didn't touch anybody. What are you what talking about? What, what was that at, in Toronto? Maybe, yeah, I don't remember. Exactly. Evan, do you remember? Yeah, it was in Toronto. It was a yeah. game in Toronto. Uh, man, that was a long time yeah, ago. Like but yeah, like 10 years at least. I, but why I, does that matter, though? But, it's just like in football. If I'm a, if the center's there and I bark out a signal, that's they dumbass if they <laughs> jump. <laughs> it ain't got nothing to do with me. I think it's because A-Rod did it. If, 100%. I think it's the same guy who, oh, running down the God. first baseline, swiped at Bronson Arroyo, hey. trying to feel the play. Like I think it has to do with A-Rod more hey, than hey, anything. Hey, I think that's why baseball, people complain. Who was that that got stepped on a year or two ago on the first base and got cleated? When the guy went to stretch, and I don't know who that was running down the first base line, and he stepped on the guy. Because you know if you miss the bag, Max, mm-hmm. intentionally, the people will say that you tried to cleat a guy on, intentionally and on purpose to injure a oh. player. I'm trying to think who hey, the hell Key, that I got was. one for you that you'll remember. You won't even like this one. This was, I believe, in the World Series against the Dodgers. Reggie Jackson Stuck out his hip. Remember that? And he caught the ball and knocked it into the outfield, and it led to a Yankees rally because he was on first. He was dancing off of first base, I think, on his way to second. And so, like, stuff like that, that's, that, that means you have your head in the game. Running in the base, running in the path. I just yeah. I, baseball is crazy as it can be. If you, if you really dive into it, it's fun in times, but it's stupid fun. Like, you know, like comedy is, like sometimes in comedy movies, it's stupid funny. That's how baseball is. It's yeah. Certain things that it do is just stupid. It's great sport because you could be watching it literally for 50 years and see something you've never seen before on any given day. Keyshawn, hey, J. Will, and Max. Rowdy third, and they that's, got that's a, yeah. that's a Tim Kirchin line. <laughs> the thing I love about baseball, I can watch this sport it's every true. day for 100 years and see something different every day. It's true. You see some new stuff. I've yeah. never seen that before. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. That that line, by the way, Evan, goes back decades and decades. All yeah, your protection in one place. Been saying it for decades and decades. Yeah, he sure had. Maybe Tim made it up. That'd be hilarious if he did, because I've heard it my whole life. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. With the fourth pick, the New York Jets select... Sauce Gardner with the 10th pick. The New York Jets select Garrett Wilson with the 26th pick. The New York Jets select Jermaine Johnson. They're not coming in with the glaring weakness that you got to coach out of them. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think that's a really – that if you're a Jets fan, I think you feel really good about those three players because of how developed and advanced they are for their positions. To me, it's one of the best songs ever made, Shook One's Part 2. I love this song Come so on, much. Come on, man. It's Mob. 
Keyshawn, Jay Willemax, ESPN Radio. Guys, Dan Orlovsky was on this very program just minutes ago and has always brought the Monday morning Dan. But you missed it, though. No, I didn't. I was being sarcastic. Dan Orlovsky, (laughs) ESPN NFL analyst, on Zach Wilson earlier this morning. I think Zach Wilson's at the top of the list. The Jets in three years, they have two first-round draft picks on the offensive line that they selected themselves, another first-round pick in Lakin Tomlinson that they signed over from free agency. They signed Uzama. They've got two first-round draft picks at wide receiver now and a second-round draft pick at wide receiver. This is a very good unit. I actually think there's a ton of pressure on Zach Wilson to go play well. What do you think, Key? Well, Dan is right. I said it, I don't know what it was, a couple weeks ago right after the draft. I said that this team is a really good team. They're two years away from, like, really kicking in the door in the AFC. I don't know what the coach is. I don't know what the offensive coordinator is. And I do not know what the quarterback is. Okay? I understand Zach Wilson showed us a flash or two. He made a couple throws and made you go, wow, he threw across his body. I don't know what it is. I know that Joe Douglas has done a tremendous job at building around him with a bunch of young pieces, as as Dan just said. So, you know, for him, he's got to do his part and get better from a year ago. Finish, start where he finished. If he starts where he finishes and continues to keep growing and they help him from an offensive standpoint, calling plays and putting him in a position for success, and I think he might turn out to be something. We don't know, though. So, Key, we just don't know. The Jets have upgraded their offensive line with Tomlinson, right? They've added solid tight end duos um, as it relates to that in free agency. Garrett Wilson, Brees Hall in the draft. What do you need to see from Zach Wilson this upcoming year to let you know that he's going to be the best second-year quarterback? Don't create, don't commit those ill-advised turnovers that we saw. I don't even have the numbers in front of him, but it was an alarming rate in a sharp period 11, of time. 11 interceptions, yeah. Yeah, but it was like 11 in like two games. So it was like alarming in how the, how he was doing it. Maybe he was just doing it to, because it didn't matter. It was a rookie season. He wanted to get it out of his system. Whatever the case was, I don't want to see that. And I want to see continued growth. Stay healthy. Health is a key issue for me as well because that's what one of his problems was at BYU. He, he was often injured. And then what happened this year, he got injured. And I know the injury wasn't – you know, one of those injuries where you look up and go, oh, this guy's always injured. It was a freak accident type play, but it still was an injury. And I think if they do that with Brees Hall, a strong offensive line, and a defense that's retooled, he can continue to grow. Don't yeah. push it and make – I know it's New York City, and I know they went out and drafted great players, but let's not all of a sudden think that the Jets belong in an AFC championship game next year. Now, think about what you're saying, though, Key. It's crazy that – Zach Wilson only just has to hold it down. Like, even let's say he gets to his best three years from now. If he's just solid, the Jets should be pretty damn good. If he's just solid. So, like, actually, in a crazy way, there's enormous pressure because they don't need him to be amazing the way they're building this team. They're just going to need him to be solid and steady, right? If he's amazing, great. But, damn, if he can't get to that, that's not look, such a high bar. Then look, the Jets man. really missed. If he can be Chad Pennington 2.0, Mark Sanchez 2.0, if he can do those sort of things, and I'm naming them as the most recent quarterbacks in my mind that has success as a New York Jet, if he can do that, then they got something. 
no matter where he was drafted. Because those guys, early on, Mark Sanchez was an AFC championship appearing quarterback twice. And Chad Pennington was a playoff quarterback that was solid and sound. If he can do that, the Jets got something no matter where he was drafted at. You see, Keeper, I also think I'm with you on that. But I think this is a big year for Robert Sala, right? Uh, Being known for what he brings to the table defensively. You talk about being able to get guys like Jordan Whitehead, DJ Reed, free agency, and then all of a sudden, you know, drafting guys like Sauce Gardner, Jermaine Johnson. Like, when you take that next step defensively, where can your team be in addition to where your quarterback is as well? You're going to be good. You can be the San Francisco 49ers. You can be the New York Jets and Rex Ryan. You can be if your defense is holding it down. You look at the New England Patriots last year with Mac Jones. Let's not fool each other. Mac Jones wasn't the reason they went to the damn playoffs. It was they ran the football, and they played solid, sound defense, and they won enough games to squeak into the playoffs. That's what they were. And if they can get that out of this unit a year or two from now, they're going to be playoff if ready. they can't, that, my point is this. Yes, agreed. But what if they can't? What a miss Zach well, Wilson would be then, well, right? Because they they're not. They'll asking. be drafted in two years, Max. Yeah, but you know what? Here's the the bad news is this: if they can't, then Zach Wilson is a huge bust. If they can't, but here's the flip side of that: if they're drafting again, <laughs> you yeah. bust. I can hear. I heard Jay growling. Yeah, growling yeah. <laughs> but but my point is, if they're if they if, even if that's the case, if they're drafting another quarterback. He's stepping into a nice situation because they all have a team built up. He's stepping into – well, see, here's what I would say. Here's what I'm going to say. If they're drafting another quarterback in a couple years, Robert Sala's not going to be there either. Yeah, right. So he's going to be a new head coach and a new quarterback. If they're drafting a quarterback in a couple years based on non-injury and play on the field, that tells me that Robert Sala and Mike LaFleur – didn't get anything out of Zach Wilson, and it's time to move on yeah. from them too because the team certainly in Joe Douglas has been built a certain way because I don't think they're going to miss on some of these guys that they drafted. I absolutely don't think they're missing on these guys. Elvin Wilner, your, your thoughts on Zach Wilson being a potential bridge quarterback and also Key's comments on Chad Pennington. Yeah, I would take Chad Pennington. I would absolutely take Chad Pennington's career for Zach Wilson. They just haven't been to the playoffs in a decade. Chad Pennington went to the playoffs – Yep, three turn your times. phone off while we do the show. Chad yes, Pennington went you. to the playoffs three times. Very important call I'm getting. I wonder. That but, what's be, wrong, but what's that wrong with Chad news. Pennington? Exactly. Exactly. Chad Pennington is no. the best Jets quarterback of my lifetime. If Chad Pennington, Pennington had stayed healthy, if Chad Pennington had stayed healthy and had a stronger arm, he would have won multiple Super Bowl. He was a great no, he quarterback, he, he but without a strong, strong arm. arm. But he was no, he a very, very to. good quarterback. That's no, what he he but what he I'm saying, key, he had a water pistol. Yeah, but if now arm. give him a strong arm. Like think of everything he did, and now give him a strong but arm. But that's, of course, that's not, though, Max. Yeah. Yeah. that's yeah. not the point of the conversation. It's not the type of quarterback he is. It's the career. When I take Chad Pennington's career. I don't care about the arm. I'm looking at the results that Chad Pennington got. And if Zach Wilson does that for the Jets, I'll take that. I'll take three playoff appearances in like five years or whatever it was for Chad Pennington. Absolutely. And that's why I said Chad Pennington, no matter where Zach Wilson got drafted, early success of Mark Sanchez and Chad Pennington's career, if I'm Jet fans, now early success of Mark Sanchez now. Remember I said early. You take that and you run to the hills, man. You don't even think twice. Because if you're sitting up there based on where he was drafted, number two, all of a sudden he's got to be a, a, a 
Patrick Mahomes or he's got to be Tom Brady and all. Because where was Eli drafted at? Um, he was uh, he was one, one. one overall. Okay, so wait, yep. so he was one overall, but he was traded yep. for Philip Rivers, mm-hmm. number four overall. A number four overall. Mm-hmm. So essentially, he was he was number he was the fourth quarterback. Let's just say because yeah. they swapped. So and Nate Cading and Sean Merriman in terms of what the draft picks turned. Yeah, out. Yeah, so it was like a whole deal. You would take that career of Eli Manning for the New York Jets. In a heartbeat, mm-hmm. in a, wouldn't even think twice Bowls, about it. Of course, of course. Well, but, right. But, but so what you're that's talking about what you're talking about. But here, here, you're talking about two main things with Eli that non-incredible quarterbacks need to have. Right? If you're not like, oh my God, look at that, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes. You need to have health. Eli was an Iron Man. And yep. you need to be big under pressure. Eli was clutch. In the and playoffs. In the playoffs. And so now, so now we need to see if Zach Wilson, if he's not, oh, my God, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, can he stay healthy? But and the, can he perform cool under pressure? But the reason, the reason for a 500 quarterback in Eli Manning, the reason Eli Manning kept hitting the reset button in New York mm-hmm. is because Eli Manning won those Super Bowls. He yep. won, he hit the reset button. Right? And then all of a sudden you get a, a runway. How the hell are you going to get rid of a two-time winning Super Bowl quarterback? You you don't. And if and if they can get Zach Wilson to come close to that, you don't even think twice about it. Right. G-Sean, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome. So you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. Today, this means that Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, ESPN's new Monday Night Football crew, just announced on Good Morning America, that Monday Night Football will have a special Week 2 showcase event with both ABC and ESPN airing an NFL game on the same night. On Monday, September 19th, Titans at Bills. It's a tasty matchup. 7.15 p.m. Eastern on ESPN and Vikings at Eagles. See that revamped Eagles team. At 8.30 on ABC, Dan Graziano giving the Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. Good morning, Dan. Good morning, Max. How you doing? That right. music, Dan, is just... <laughs> yeah, man, it does well, it to I you. Right up, huh? Oh, man, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go play. <laughs> I can I'm imagine. Coming, I feel, I, you know, I, I, you can't see me in my body right now, but I had, like, chills come over my body because I started thinking about coming out the tunnel Everyone to warm that. up, and that music was playing. 
Hmm. Everyone uh. says that. All NFL players, Dan, tell me, like, it's coming out with your teammates down the tunnel, and you hear the clink, clink of, of the cleats on the ground, mm-hmm. right? And you're all coming out together. They all tell me the same thing, like, that's the moment you never get back in your life. There's no way to, to, to replicate it, right, Key? No, think about the dream of whatever it was for boxing for you, Max, the dream growing up for whatever it was, Dan, when you decided you were going to go into journalism, I'm covering the Super Bowl. I'm covering Mm -hmm. it. Monday night football growing up, obviously Howard Cosell and the whole deal, but when you finally come out of college and you got that first Monday night game Mm. and it's just like, they're out there pregame and walking around, and it's just different feel. Yeah, it's a, a big, totally different it's, feeling. By the way, Dan uh, Dan hasn't said a word yet. It's the biggest TV show in America now because it's our last shared experience, Sorry, right? It's not time shifted. Nothing. We right. the whole country stops and watches the same thing. Yeah, you're not gonna you're not gonna stream it later, no. right? You got you got to know what's going on right now. Yeah, no, I mean it's it's exciting. It's boy, it's uh, what about still about four five months away. Is that an overreaction or not an overreaction? Uh, NFL is our last shared experience in America. Live sports, right? Yes. NFL being the biggest, I think, yes. but live sports. I think everybody had fun watching the horse race, you know, on on Saturday, like that kind of thing. Even people aren't into horse racing. Live sports is the last kind of, yes, communal okay. thing. So we're playing, Dan, overreaction or not an overreaction. You have to preface it by saying that's an overreaction or okay. not an overreaction. I understand the rules. Now let's do it. <laughs> Titans. The Titans will miss the playoffs. This, of course, because the Eagles-Titans were announced as one of the two games. Is that an overreaction or not an overreaction? I think it's not an overreaction. I'm not saying they will, but it's certainly possible. I mean, the, the losses at the wide receiver position, uh, Tannehill last week sounded annoyed about a few things. I don't want to underrate Mike Vrabel and his coaching staff. They've done an incredible job there, but... With the Colts adding Matt Ryan, I, I do think it's possible you see some slippage from I Tennessee. I said Tyson, Titans, Eagles. It's Titans, Bills, and it's Eagles, Vikings. Titans, Bills. Go ahead, Key. Yeah, Titans, out. Bills. I was going to help you with that one. But look, you, I think when you look at this, it's not an overreaction. Tennessee's missed some things when they got rid of A.J. Brown. Julio Jones is gone. Yes, Derrick Henry's in the lineup. But do we really know what that offense is going to be about? Yeah, I know they got uh, Traylon Burton out of uh, Arkansas, but he's still young, and we don't know what that is. And quite frankly, I'm not sold on Ryan Tannehill putting it on his shoulders, and I don't mm. think the Tennessee Titans are either. Mm. Wow. Oh. How about that? Okay. This is, in that case, Keys, Ryan, Key, Ryan Tannehill's last season as Ooh. quarterback. Dan, I'll start with you. Is that an over of the Titans quarterback? Is that overreaction or not an overreaction? They're, they're going to dislike this segment a lot in Tennessee. I'm going to say not an overreaction. And look, I just I just look at the contract, right? There's, there's, he has one year left after this year. He signed through 2023. But the 23 salary is not guaranteed. They did draft a quarterback this year. As we know from his comments last week, if Malik Willis were to advance quickly and if this season were to be a disappointment for the Titans and or Ryan Tannehill, entirely possible they could move on when it's done. That that is not an overreaction at all. I would go on the record to say they are going to move on when this season is over because they probably won't make the playoffs, and if they make the playoffs, they're going to get bounced. They drafted Malik Willis. I don't know that Malik Willis is the answer at the quarterback spot, but if you remember Dan covering these things, they flirted with Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, and sniffed around Deshaun Watson. Mm -hmm. That's because they don't like the quarterback that they have. I mean, Dan, you said it. If they don't, if the next season's not guaranteed money, and they draft a quarterback. Boy, you got a lot of mind changing signs. to do yes. if you want to keep your job. Okay, 
Kirk Cousins, Justin Jefferson, listen to this one carefully, all right, is the best quarterback wideout combo in the NFC North. Overreaction or not an overreaction? No, not an overreaction. Who else is it going to be? I mean, Rodgers doesn't have any receivers, and uh, the rest of the division doesn't have uh, uh, quarterbacks, right? So Justin Fields we don't know about yet, and, and Jared Goff is kind of marking we do know about. in Detroit for, <laughs> for uh, whoever comes next, and they don't have much at receiver. Yeah, not an overreaction. Jefferson's a stud, and Cousins is good. Yeah, Dan, that's a layup, right? But yeah. you can always go Thielen and Cousins. Yeah, that's true. Or I'll give right? you another one. Whoever Aaron Rodgers makes the best receiver well, we'll on the see, Packers, right? right? Rodgers is going to have a favorite target, and that dude's going to play well because Rodgers is going to get him the ball, right? But we'll see. That guy might be a rookie, and we don't know how Rodgers is with rookie. Well, we do know how Rodgers is with rookie. And we so also not know good. Jefferson's a, yeah, he's stud, a stud receiver. Mm-hmm. Okay. Eagles win the NFC East. Overreaction or not an overreaction, Dan Graziano? Not an overreaction. I think they're good enough to do it. I think <laughs> Dallas – I mean, Dallas still got a good team, but I don't – you know. <laughs> It's been 18 years since somebody won the NFC East two years in a row. That's not a coincidence. These teams are always very close. You know, it's not an overreaction, Max and Dan. It's, it's so weird. I went away I went away for a few days, and I came back believing that the Eagles are probably better than the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, right man. After, but I had, to, I had to let it marinate for a day or two. I just mm-hmm. had to. I had to let it sit. I couldn't just jump into it because everybody else was saying it. I had to let it sit for a little bit, and then I'm looking at it, and I said, man, they might be better than the Cowboys. You know the other thing about the Eagles real quick? Everyone's like, Jalen Hurts, is he the long-term answer, blah, blah, blah. I don't know if he'll be there for 10 years. I do think this, though. Jalen Hurts can create a lot of problems for the rest of the conference over the next couple of years, right? He's going to be a whole lot to handle with everything they got him, too. All right. A.J. Brown leads the league in receiving yards. Overreaction or not an overreaction, Dan? I'll say overreaction. I mean, A.J. Brown's certainly good enough to do that, but I think whoever leads the league in receiving yards is not going to be on the run-heaviest team in the entire league, which the Eagles were, were right up there in that category last year. Yeah, that's, it's, it's certainly an overreaction. It's not a pass-happy offense. They like to run the football. They're not going to put Jalen Hurts in a position to have to throw the ball 50 times a game. So it's an overreaction. How about Josh Allen wins the MVP? What about that one? Not an overreaction. I think he's in the – the odds are probably pretty short on him going into the season, and for good reason. Uh, He's a do-everything guy on one of the best teams uh, in the league. The quarterbacks of those teams that we expect to be at the top have to be in the conversation. No question about it. It's not an overreaction. I wouldn't be shocked, surprised going into the final home run stretch of the season that Josh Allen is not at the top of the leaderboard in terms of MVP consideration josh allen is a cyborg sent from the future to destroy patrick (laughs) mahomes and so far in all the movies patrick mahomes wins in the end but if they keep making sequels you got to figure eventually the terminator catches up all right bills make the super bowl last one dan overreaction not an overreaction it's not an overreaction i think they have the best roster on paper in the entire league they've been right there the last couple of years afc championship game two years ago that incredible overtime loss to the chiefs in the divisional round last year uh yeah they haven't been able to get over that chiefs hump uh cyborg or no cyborg and by the way uh the bengals came up with a guy that actually did do it yeah, not not an overreaction at all. They they could win the Super Bowl, no question about it. They're right there, like Dan said. They knocking on the door. I just want to know if Leslie Frazier, mm-hmm. along with the head coach and Sean McDermott, can get out of their own way sometimes on the defensive side of the ball 
putting their defense in bad situations in crucial games. Thank you, Dan Graziano, as always. And I'll see you later, won't I? Yes, on this just in. Oh, that's a terrific show. I've seen you on that show. Yes, handsome guy, two to three, we get it. Yeah, yeah, the host is very handsome. (laughs) Keyshawn J. Willemax presented by Progressive Insurance. Why Jay's not overreacting to James Harden's big night. Next, Keyshawn J. Willemax on your smart speaker by saying play ESPN Radio. Keyshawn J. Willemax, the podcast. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Key? Yo. This is your favorite thing, germ spreading. Oh, God. We should really come up with a better expression during a pandemic still, right? But Tom Brady, Key, and Sean Payton, you already know where my mind's going with this. We're both at the F1 race, which took place right outside Hard Rock Stadium in where else? Miami. There they are, Key. The future head coach quarterback combination of the Miami Dolphins, right? Isn't that what this means? If Sean Payton taking a 50-year-old quarterback when he comes back to coaching, I know something. Oh, maybe they were down in Miami looking for real estate, trying to decide where they would live close to each other once they take over the Miami Dolphins job next year. Stop, man. Wait, you, uh, you know stop. when you just said that, though? That sounds, that sounds real to me. Like, let Let's go scope it out. And while we're there, we'll, we'll ch- take in the F1 situation. Why not? No, no. Why, why would you? If you Sean Payton, why would you want to go? And if you Tom Brady, why would you want to go in a division with Josh Allen and potentially Zach Wilson and Mac Jones and the New England Patriots in Miami that ain't really – I don't know what Miami has. They got a bunch of itty-bitty fast dudes. Why would you want that? Because they are pretty talented. Like, at least, at least Flores was able to get – you know, nine wins. They, they, they well, were, that was Flores, uh, though, no doubt, right? No doubt. Right. You got rid of a good coach. Let's see what happens. But they do have that. They had that no-name defense. Now they got some weapons on offense. Can you mean to tell me if you slid Tom Brady and also Sean Payton down there, they wouldn't be alive as hell to win that division? See, coaches, though, coaches and players, for that matter, when you are Tom Brady, you're looking for the perfect situation. When you're Sean Payton, you're not leaving New Orleans to go mess around in Miami in that situation when you, like I said, you got Josh Allen, you got Mac Jones, and I'm assuming Zach Wilson and company is, is building. They're going to be okay. You're looking for something a little bit different. Yeah, but you know what? Even if it's not exactly your home, like take L.A., right? Let's say there was a way to, to live in L.A. and you look at it and you go, yeah, but it's not an ideal situation. It doesn't have to be ideal when the place is that sexy, right? There might be the lure of Miami and a piece of the team and who else knows what else, right? Tom Brady's 50, man. Y'all yeah. act like Brady got 10 more years or something. I don't know. I, I said he was over the cliff, you know, about 10 years ago, so maybe he does. No, <laughs> at some point he's going to hang him up, Max. He's not going to just keep playing. Yeah, yeah. and then plus the head coach is going to want his own kind of team the whole thing. Thing. All right.
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Making tough shots. Uh, he's been doing that his whole career, uh, and uh, you know, that's why he's here. Back out to Oladipo guarding James. Three to shoot. Three-point shot by Harden. It's good! Harden with a career game for the Sixers. You have to have uh, you know, a lot of different one-on-one scores on your team, and I think we have a few of those. And um, it was his night tonight to, to carry us to a dub. You know, he's only 2-2. Uh, we got a lot of work to do. Keyshawn, J. Willemax, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80, your smart speakers. Guys, it looked like there was momentum. There were little signs here and there, a lot of NBA executives in Philly, and oh, maybe Embiid actually won MV. Denver's Nuggets center Nikola Jokic has been voted the NBA's most valuable player for a second consecutive season. This is breaking news from ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski. A formal announcement is expected this week. Tim Legler is with us now. Legs, did they get this one right? Listen, it's subjective, Max. My vote was for Joel Embiid. Um, and I understand, like, and Nikola Jokic, I watch him a lot of nights, and I say, you know, why are we even having a discussion? Because, you know, this, this guy this guy is the most skilled player in the league when you look at you know, the way he plays every night. But I know that's not necessarily the way it works every year, and these things are, are momentum-type awards. I just felt like Joel Embiid took control of the award in the second half of the year, basically when the calendar year turned 2022. He hit a stretch where he was far and away the most dominant player in the NBA. And, and he continued that play basically through the wire. Now, they didn't have quite the same record once they hit a little bit of a bump in the road with Harden when he started to struggle. So the Sixers lost a few games. But I always looked at it like this. If a guy surges to the lead – of the award unless he one gets hurt two has his productive production drop off precipitously or they start losing games uh at a, at a pretty high rate or they go through a stretch with a month where they're under 500 i don't know how you lose it like he got run down in the home stretch by Nikola Jokic, and typically unless a guy has one of those things happen to him three things happen to him you don't usually see that so for me it was Embiid, and i also thought the part of it should have been the weight of, of, of leadership and what he did this year with that distraction and that disastrous train wreck that the Ben Simmons situation created for that franchise. They're starting in the summer, taking you all the way through to the trading deadline. And Joel Embiid showed maturity, leadership, toughness. He put that team on his back. And for me, it was Embiid. But look, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, there's no way Jokic deserves it. It's crazy talk because – it's so tight with these guys. It could have been him. It could have been Giannis. It could have been Embiid. Any one of those three guys, you can't really make a strong argument against it. It's subjective. And I just thought Joel Embiid was the guy that earned it. You know, Legs, I, I hear what you're saying. For me, at the end of the day, I'm okay with Jokic getting MVP. And I, I hear the leadership aspect for Joel Embiid, but also – 
don't minimize the leadership from Nikola Jokic and what he had to deal with guys like Bones Highland at times being the second best player on his team. You talk about uh, Compazzo playing a lot. So there's a lot of stuff that's going on on both teams. I'm with you. I, I, I do want to transition to James Harden and the 76ers getting a win over Miami last night. And we had a conversation about this morning where I kept saying, I said, hey, look, James Harden had a phenomenal game. He made a lot of tough shots. I think these shots were more of a byproduct of him being hot than me expecting this version of James Harden to be sustainable legs. You know, I I don't see him dropping 35 or 30 every night. I see him being a guy, 20, 24, can give you a lot of assists, but they knocked down 49% of their threes last night. That's a huge reason why they won the game in the magnitude they did. But do you think this is going to be the James Harden we're going to see for the rest of the playoffs, or do you think it was more of an anomaly last night? You can't take that leap, Jay. And I think, look, you and I both were on the same page with this. And I've been saying it for a while. I mean, he just hasn't looked like the same offensive player for a couple of months. He, do- he doesn't been winning those one-on-ones, whether it's a step-back three or getting a guy in his rearview mirror to create havoc in the lane. He just hasn't looked the same. And he did it last night. And, look, there's going to be a lot of people that are in James Harden's camp. That, you know how it is on social media. They're going to they're gonna attack us. And they-, they come at you almost like you're rooting for him not to play well. And it's insane. I'm going by what my eyes are telling me, what James Harden was at his best, and what percentage of that he is now on a night-to-night basis. Now, at no point do you think, well, he's incapable of ever having one of those nights. Of course, that's ridiculous. But I I, I would have bet against I was going to see James Harden as good as he was last night, again, this postseason. I just, why? Where's the evidence to think that it was going to happen? Here's what happened for him last night. His lift on his three was better. His separation was better. His arc and trajectory on that shot were better. And for me, the three is what sets up his entire game. The fact that he's a threat from there makes you have to get up on your toes defensively and lean forward. And that's when he hits you with that lightning quick crossover. He gets by you, and now it's either floater get to the line, or I'm going to make a play for somebody because he's elite level. But when he is not making that shot and you don't have to get your weight shifted forward and you can give him a little more space, he has a much harder time getting by you. And that is what has been going on with James Harden. So for a night, whatever reason, his legs look good. His bounce was good. He got off the ground. His timing on his release was better. So his arc on the shot was better. And it was going in at a high rate, and it was a threat from out there. If he can keep doing that, yeah. Sixers are probably going to win the series if James Harden plays like that. But we don't know if that's last night or is now he able to transfer that to the next three games because I think it's going to go seven. And is he going to be able to do that? Either he or Maxi has to be great on a given night for them to win. So let's see if they're able to do that going forward. At least now it's a best of three, and James Harden has introduced himself to the series. Mm. Tim Legler, our NBA expert. I was going to call him an expert. I don't agree with him because I want to be right, but he's right. Joining us this morning are Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max about James Harden. So right on that one. CJ, I listen to Tim and not you. Um, Shocking. Yeah, right. Tim, how do the Grizzlies win without John Moran in the lineup? Well, look, I mean, the, the evidence points to – their record in the regular season, right? But here's the only problem with that. This isn't the same Warriors team 
at the teams that they were beating in the regular season when John Morant was out. I'm sorry, it's just not. The, the, what Jordan Poole has done and his emergence has given them another elite-level offensive talent, and that's how he's playing right now. This isn't a situation where it's system-based or he's having a hot run. The guy has lightning quicks. He's got handle. He's got deep range. Jordan Poole now has added an element to this team with, with now Clay Thompson back, at least physically right. He's not as consistent as you know, you'd hope he, he would be if you're Steve Kerr. But, look, the flashes are there. You've still got Curry. You've got Draymond Green. And, by the way, Andrew Wiggins, some nights your fifth best player. He made the all-star team this year. So this isn't necessarily the same teams that they were beating in the regular season. So people are going to point to that number. Well, look what they did. Without them, they're going to do it. I don't know, man. They weren't playing teams like this. With a with an added talent like Jordan Poole into the mix now, that we expect Jordan Poole to get 20 on a bad night now. And so for me, that's going to be a little bit too much for him to overcome. And if they fall into a 3-1 hole because Ja doesn't play game four, they're not Thanks. winning three straight against this team. Thanks, Tim. Much more KJM next on ESPN Radio. G-Sean, J-Will, and Max, the podcast. 